Hey, πάμε για καφέ. Μπα, καφέ το λέμε τώρα. This is Bummy Ya Cafe, Haki's own radio show and podcast. On the air, 5pm Tuesdays on 3XY Radio Elas and streaming anytime you like on iTunes and Spotify. Bummy Ya Cafe is all about celebrating ordinary Greeks, Greek Australians, Australians, Hellenes and Philolenes who are doing extraordinary things. Bummy Ya Cafe, μια προσφορά του Haki, το ελληνικό, αυστραλιανό, εμπορικό και βιομηχανικό επιμελητήριο. This is Pamiya Cafe on 3XY Radio Lassen on the podcast by Spotify and iTunes. My name is Tom Andronis and it has been a long time since I've done this, so <laughs> there might be a few stumbles today. But we are back from uh, yet another COVID hiatus and uh, joining me in the booth as they do each week, Mr. Alex Ninnis and Mr. Peter Magnatis. Gentlemen. Good morning, uh, Tom and Peter. Um, I've uh, had to struggle because I didn't recall what you guys looked like. Um <laughs> Uh, when I sort of uh, came into the studio here and I thought to myself, who are these people? Who are these men? <laughs> yes, it's been a while. It's probably been another, what, six or eight weeks since we did this, thanks yes. to Captain COVID, which keeps getting in the way. Mm. Um, so how have the last sort of two months or so been, gentlemen? Any news? Anything happening in the world? <laughs> well, I, I um, started a new gig and, of course, um, you know, it just came down to start a new gig, so... Bang, COVID happens. Yeah, right. So I started with a new firm um, and I can't go into the office. <laughs> so it's just par for the course. Have you actually met your team yet? You know, the people that you work with? Um, bits and pieces on them. Although we are having a, um, a big event uh, on Friday just to get all the team together because uh-huh. I haven't seen everyone. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, do you know who you're working for? Uh, yes, apparently <laughs> I, I do. Um, award-winning law firm Hamilton Lock. Oh, uh, yes. Wow! <laughs> but apart from that, and actually, it's it's been fantastic. It's a great firm, great people, great culture. Um, so I'm very very happy. You didn't consider retiring, Alex? I can't retire. You're pretty Tom. old, though. Uh, I am old, but you know, <laughs> I, I just there's something about. If I don't have a reason to get up in the morning, I think I just sleep all day. <laughs> you know, I've got to. I don't know. Uh, retirement to me is 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 a word that elicits a lot of you know competing sort of thoughts. I just think of retirement as um, I just want to sleep all day, and therefore <laughs> I will retire. I don't know what I would do. I'm not a I'm not a gym person. I, I like playing golf, but I don't want to overdo the golf because you know I, I tend to get tennis elbow when I play golf. It's uh, ironic, <laughs> which is funny. They should call it golf elbow. But well. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know what I would do. I think I'm sure we've had this discussion before. It's just been so long. I can't remember what I said we, the last two all, months ago. We'd all do a lot of travel, wouldn't we? But well, we no, we wouldn't. Can't. No, we can't. Not at the moment. Well, we can't now. So <laughs> no. then it's like, then what? Yeah. Would you travel? I mean, I, I'm thinking to myself. Even if I got, I've got the one jab, I need to get both jabs. And then my daughter said, "But Dad, you realise that you've got the AstraZeneca. You still won't be able to travel." Unless you got the, the Pfizer. Why, why is one better than the other? I, I don't know. Maybe because no. uh, Pfizer... I don't think that's the case. Well, you know, Pfizer, the, the CEO of Pfizer, is, is, uh, is Greek. Oh, then it must be better. Uh, you know, trained at uh, one of the uh, famous um, uh, universities in Thessaloniki and uh, decided to go off and become a, you know, a global head of a, a very, very important 
drug company. Does that make us trust it more or less? I think more. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's I a, think so. There's a bit of a flip in the whole uh, COVID scenario where, where Victoria has always been the lockdown state. Yeah. Uh, everywhere, everywhere else but Victoria is, is locked down at the moment. Mm. How's that working for, uh, for, for everyone's rhetoric around uh, what should or shouldn't be done and what's right or wrong? It just goes to show you can't take the, the high moral ground anymore because, you know, you had Gladys up there in New South Wales and looking at us in Melbourne and, and Victoria saying, oh, you know, how rotten we are at, you know, managing this crisis. And then all of a sudden, splat. It's like mm. a scene from one of the Batman uh, shows, you know, splat, kapow. <laughs> it's all happening. <laughs> it's all happening up in New South Wales, and not only that, but um, you know, Miss uh, Miss Palchuk up in uh, yeah. in uh, in Queensland, she's she's got a bit of a, an issue up there too. I, I've got a you know a, a whole host of friends who are from Sydney who are actually stuck in surface. Oh, that's, what a that's tough that's place luck. to be stuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, they're the only ones that aren't complaining. Yeah, I can't imagine you know? that they would be. The ones no. that are complaining are the Victorians who can't go, <laughs> go up to Queensland for their holidays <laughs> or to Byron Bay. Byron you know? Bay, yeah. But you it's a, interesting the different leadership styles, isn't it? So everyone talks about Dan being sort of like a dictator type, but in some ways he's been very clear, this is what you can and can't do, and this is what's going on, no ambiguity whatsoever. Um, and then you have other places or other leaders that are saying, well, let's, uh, let's, let's be okay to these groups of people and that group of people. And everyone says, does that count for me or maybe I can go do this. Oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Mm. And then it becomes ambiguous. And then yeah. if, you, if you're dealing with something like this that actually has lives at stake, then it's like, okay, well, what do you do? So then as, as we've been able to see up in New South Wales, it's getting tighter and tighter in regards to their, their messaging. And so what's, what's the right way? Well, you know, rule number one of, of messaging and communication is do one thing at a time mm. and make sure that it's very clear yeah. what that is. And, and I, I agree with you that that's been a real problem over the journey because, like, even now, you, you know, you, you, the three of us, we, we pay attention to what's going on in the world and, and I couldn't tell you what the restrictions are right now. You know, no. you kind of lose track of what's what and what's allowed and what's not. Yes. Um, and we actually pay attention. How about all the people who don't pay attention? You know, there's no way that everyone or at least the majority could possibly all be doing the, the right thing at the right times for exactly that reason that the, the yeah. messaging all over the place and in particular i think from the federal government's been pretty poor across the journey yeah mm. look i you know i don't want to get uh, all political here but uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> you wouldn't uh, but, do that uh, you know uh, there's all sorts of you know conspiracy theories going on down in victoria about uh, uh, you know about uh, Chairman Dan and um, how, he, how he how he lost yeah and all that sort of and I don't want to get into that because I don't want to talk ill of the of the wicked um, but um, I, I just think that you know at the end of the day guys um, we're in this fight together yeah you know, this is a war yeah okay? I've, I've had enough of it though I, I've had <laughs> enough of it but at the end of the day nothing is going to happen if we work at cross purposes to mm. each other mm -hmm. okay so anyway. Let's get into something more interesting. Let's yeah, speaking of <laughs> speaking of travel, I've um, I you know I'm sure we all like heading over to Europe for the summer, you know, when we can, and uh, I pretty much have just stopped following anything on social media that's going to show me a blue picture of the Mediterranean. I just I can't handle it. 
this year. It's oh, I'm the, I'm the complete opposite. Oh, really? I, oh, yes. I, I, um, <laughs> We're trying to live vicariously through all, all <laughs> yes, these social yes. media people. I, um, I've got onto this, I've subscribed on YouTube onto a couple of sites that are travel sites, and they'll do, you know, the 10 best um, places to visit in Albania or the 10 places best place to visit in Greece. Or are, there, are there 10 good places to visit in Albania? Oh, it's funny, you know, when you, <laughs> you, you think you think that Albania being so close to to Greece, because it was an ex-communist country, it'd be like desolate, and you know, it's exactly the same as Greece. It's beautiful. Oh, I've, <laughs> it's, I've been to Albania, and I would not give it that review. I'm, I'm just talking about the the, 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 the beautiful forests up, up uh, the north, because we're you know Florinot, as, as you you know, I've, I've mentioned on a couple of occasions, just, <laughs> just a couple. Uh, we've got the beautiful um, forests and the Vasi up there, and so forth. It's exactly the same in Albania. It looks beautiful. I mean, those 10 best places were 10 fantastic places. Una faccia, una faccia, well, basically. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. great segue there, Alex, to um, where we've come from. So I'm from the Peloponnese, and yeah. we've just given the light to the Olympics, just, you know, in the last few years. Oh, that's right. right. So, you know, from uh, Olympia. But boys, yeah. boys, the Olympics have come early, though. Uh, no, they've come late. a year late. late. No, 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 no. <laughs> they've come early. They've come early. It's supposed to be in two weeks' time. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, we've just seen the most, probably the best... Uh, diving exhibition ever oh. at the Euros. That's true. Full tens. With, yes, full tens for that bloke. De- de- Mobile degree of difficulty. My goodness 7.4. me. I couldn't believe it. The gold medal being awarded to the champion Italian diving team. <laughs> uh, care of... But they've uh, had back-to-back wins. Uh, for Giancarlo, whatever his name is, Immobile, or who was... Yeah. Looked like he was immobilised on the... Uh, the go- what? That's not... That, that's what annoys me. I love yeah. football. I'm yep. talking about the real football, not the uh, peponi down here. Uh, <laughs> You're only just saying that because, like, we've got no interest at the moment, mate. But <laughs> I look at that and I think to myself, you know. I mean, and then you've got the other extreme in Aussie rules where they literally have a limb you know, hanging off their torso <laughs> and they're saying, oh, I'm all right, it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> it's, it's, it's polar opposite. I mean, you know, if we can meet in the middle a bit, stop, less diving and, and less sort of being totally, you know, Forlorn, and you know, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just annoying. Well, as Australians, we all have, I, I imagine, a bit of a vendetta against Italians and diving, obviously, because that's what kicked us out of that World Cup. We would have won. We would have oh, gone all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, would have won the World yeah. Cup. There's no it doubt. Done. All right, we, I mean, we were be, we were beating the eventual winners. Okay, it was in the bag. Yeah, it was. but done deal. Um, that guy looked like he'd been shot the other day. Oh, he was <laughs> rolling around. <laughs> I, 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 think I, I counted three or four rolls. Um, <laughs> Isn't there a method by which, you know, anytime a, a free kick or a, a penalty is, you know, the, when, anytime the ref blows the whistle, can't they, can't they just automatically go upstairs, have someone quickly look at it on the video, and if he's obviously faking it, just yellow card him on the spot, play on? Like, can't we, can't we do something about this absurd diving thing in soccer? I agree. Oh, I agree. I think what they 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 do the uh, the VAR. I think is that what they call it? The VAR. Something like that. Um, they do it. But that's for, for goal line penalties. Only, yeah, they do it for penalties. Uh-huh. No, they they also do it for other things. They should do it for for diving. Yeah. And for for rolling on the ground. Yeah. And what you should do is you should get you know one week for each roll. <laughs> right. So you do ten rolls, you get ten weeks. That's it. Off the off the on the sidelines. Well, but the much more important soccer news at the moment is that um. It's it's the twenty year anniversary or something since the the Greeks won the Euro, isn't it? it Not is. quite twenty like years. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the anniversary was this week, so yeah. Well, <laughs> we all remember where we were. Didn't I we? think your maths is a we bit do. off there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the yeah. Oh, that was yeah. 
the whole two weeks. I remember yep. seeing the first game and the last game was against Portugal. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, not expecting anything. And back yeah. in the day, I think I was the only one with a subscription to the Foxtel uh, <laughs> service and I had everyone over on the, on the final at my place about five in the morning. And mm. it was just an, an amazing event. And that's when we had Federation Square where everyone was able to watch uh, games as well. Oh, no, no, and no, it, it wasn't was Federation Square. Yes, it was. It was Lonsdale Street. Wow. Was a giant, it was a giant screen set up in Lonsdale Street. <laughs> I was there. I don't think, was yeah. Federation Square actually in existence yes, in 2004? It was, yeah, it was, was but it was Federation Square became the live site for okay. World Cups and things. I was in Sydney at the time, guys. So uh, Actually, my story is, is the most remarkable one. I was, <laughs> okay. I was, <laughs> I, was, okay. I, was in, I was, uh, I watched the game live at the um, UK Correspondence Club in Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong at the time for business and one of my friends who happened to be there at the time, uh, I said, where can we go and watch the game? I have to watch the game. And he says, oh, we'll just go to the, uh, the sorry, not the UK, the Foreign Correspondents Club in, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And I watched it there. It was about, um, you know, uh, some ungodly hour in the morning. And I remember when uh, Greece scored a goal, I, I did a, a lap of the, the foreign, <laughs> foreign Correspondents Club. And that was the last time Alex exercised. <laughs> <laughs> And then I remember still ringing, working that off. Yeah. And then I remember ringing my father, uh, who was visiting in uh, Floating at the time, and we were sitting there and uh, talking and crying, and uh, all the emotions came out. You know, it was just such a proud moment for for Greeks and for Greeks all over the world. Mm. It was brilliant. We mentioned the Olympics a few minutes ago. Do we reckon the Olympics should be going ahead? You know, Japan's got all sorts of COVID outbreaks. Yesterday they had an enormous landslide. You know, they can't really turn a trick. Are we sure that we should be doing this? Well, anywhere in the world with sporting events at the moment. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think a yes or no answer would suffice you, Peter. Well, yes. I'm just sort of <laughs> yes. saying. Yes. I, I would Absolutely. think so, yes, as well. But like, because uh, I mean, look, there's not great stuff happening for many different people around. Mm. And like these sorts of events from a, I don't know, global community perspective, people look forward to and, and have some sort of thing. Like even the Euro Cup that's happening at the moment. You know, uh, only twenty, thirty thousand in the stands, and they're playing it all over Europe. But like, mm. there's people obviously still passing away in different countries and all that type of thing. But you need, you still need to have these sorts of things going on as long as you can do it safely. But the best thing about an Olympic Games, having gone to them in two thousand and four, was kind of the the atmosphere around them. Of I mean, course. the sport is great, yeah. but I don't think I watched a single sporting event in the three mm. weeks that I was in Athens, but I had the time of my life, you know. So um, <laughs> so no difference for you. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, but it's going to be, I think it'll be a real shame that, that those athletes and, and others who are sort of attached to the Olympic Games don't get to experience that, that you know, but it's essence the, of the Olympics. But it's their moment like. now. So for, for especially Olympic yeah. athletes, they are they are primed for one period, maybe two, in their whole lives, and that's why they're at least yeah. putting it on. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, Unless you're Andrew Hoy and you're going to the eighth Olympic Games or something, which is crazy. That's extraordinary. Yeah. But, but can, at least, can, to, to be fair, he rides a horse and the horse does all the work. So. <laughs> the horse does all the work. Yeah. And uh, But again, we were talking here about our experiences when we saw Greece win the Euro in 2004, and we weren't there. And the and, and the and how it lifted our spirits and lifted us. So why wouldn't the same thing happen with the Olympics if um, if they were to take place in a, a week or two's time? At, mm. the, at the end of the day, it's those. Look, I watched this um, documentary on. Um, uh, I've just forgotten her name now. The the <laughs> <laughs> the Australian t- four hundred meter runner. Kathy Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and uh, this is what happens when you get to the age of fifty-eight. You, you sure you shouldn't have? Should, sure, you shouldn't and, be retiring, Alex. And I, I, yeah. Well, that's another. <laughs> that's another point. But I, I just it was a fantastic documentary because um, 
Australia literally was on tenderhooks until that race. And then when she came out in that bodysuit, you know, and, and ran the race of, uh, the, uh, sorry, the race of her life, um, it changed the nation. Mm. It really did. Uh, overnight, we became a nation of, yeah, we're okay, we're Aussies too, we're winners, you know? Yeah. Well, a bit like what we were talking about with um, Greece winning the Euro Cup. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it changed the persona of, you know. Have you guys uh, seen King Otto, the film? I haven't seen it yet. No, I'm dying to see it. Actually, I better rephrase that. I'm really eager to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to use the word die in this sort of environment. No, you know? exactly. Um, apparently, the, the suit that you just mentioned, the Kathy Freeman suit, uh, went missing immediately after that, um, that event. Yeah. And only turned up a year or two ago. Yeah, apparently uh, she sent it off to the dry cleaners and... <laughs> You know what happens. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just, just strike got, cleaners and someone still got the ticket for it. Put <laughs> in the wrong space on the wrong hangar and ended up in uh, you know. No soup for you. No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there oh, we go. Uh, on that note, um, we are going to take a break. We got a really interesting uh, conversation coming up today um, with an artist named George Petru who is about to release a book called The Art of Sacrifice featuring a bunch of his artwork uh, and I can't wait to learn a little bit more about it. Of course, this is Bamiyaka Fair. It's on 3XY at Adiolas 5pm Tuesdays um, and you can catch up on the show afterwards uh, via the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. We will be back in a moment. This is Bamiyaka Fair on 3XY at Adiolas and uh, joining us in the studio... Uh, a gentleman who has done an extraordinary body of work over quite a long time now, and we're going to—it's it's actually body of work in in quite a specific field. Um, looking forward to chatting with George Petru, OAM artist and designer. George, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, the book that we're here to talk about today is called *The Art of Sacrifice*, and you're launching this over the the next little while, hopefully uh, sure. across Australia. Next, next couple <laughs> of weeks, hopefully. Yes. And so you're you're a, a painter. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work firstly. Okay. Um, my background basically is graphic design. I've been a graphic designer for over 40 years. Um, uh, and last 2010 was a rather interesting year because uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. Sort of changed my life quite a bit. I'm sure it did. And uh, so from there I sort of took on the, the painting side of things and uh, sort of backed off work a bit and started uh, doing more enjoyable things. Not that I wasn't enjoying the graphic design. <laughs> so that was a, a turning point for me, 2010. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and had painting always been something that you did or was it sort of a thing that was burning uh, in the background that you had to you always scratch? Want, always wanted to do it but always found that work got in the way. Yeah. I think 2004 I started doing some, some abstract paintings, which I sort of enjoyed. Um, and then with the cancer coming along, things changed and I sort of moved away from the abstract paintings and into more the portraiture and... Uh, I guess it sort of my my passion for Australian history sort of kicked in, and I thought, well, how can I combine painting and, and my passion? And that's where it came along with doing the portraiture. And how did you land on on war history portraiture? I mean, that's quite a niche. Sure, <laughs> um, have a strong passion for Australian history, and that's always been something that I've, I've read about and you know, always enjoyed reading about great Australians and, and uh, sacrifices they've made. And I guess World War One was a huge part of Australian history. Mm. So it sort of changed generations, I guess. So I um, read about these wonderful, these soldiers and the sacrifices they made and I thought, well, it really moved me. And I thought, well, maybe I can combine 
this with portraiture and tell their stories because it, it's the stories behind the portraits that, that really that I love. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the, the reason I guess I got into the, the military side of things. Inspired by a lot of people as well along the, along that journey. So so often when somebody thinks of portraiture, you, you think of somebody sitting in front of you in a room and, and you know you're painting their portrait. But obviously with people who you know are not alive anymore. So how do you sure. how do you go about doing the portrait of someone who is deceased? Okay, well, well I guess we have to work from from photographs, obviously. Um, and for me, straight portraiture was not something that really interested me. I, I felt as though we need to have a bit more to it. So I always want to incorporate elements of their life or what they achieved in the portrait and I guess you know you can always you can paint someone that looks like a photograph but to me that you know if that's what you're going to achieve you might as well just have a photograph <laughs> so I figure let's incorporate some of the abstract that I'd been doing previously and incorporate some elements of their their life in the portrait so it became a little bit more interesting I always think of uh always remember this I remember listening to an interview with John Lennon and he always, and in their songs quite often they put some little mysterious bits little mis- mysterious pieces in their in their songs and I thought yeah I wouldn't mind doing that with my painting so just try and add a little bit of mystique into the painting so oh, right. a little bit of intrigue in the uh, mm, in the yeah. portrait yeah great and so tell us um I guess the the premise of the book the art of sacrifice well I guess it was a compilation of three extensive tours that that, that um I embarked upon and, and completed um, starting 2015, we finished in 2020. It's sort of broken up into three main categories. The first category being the Lost Diggers of Vinicor collection. Uh, the second one being Victoria Cross collection, and uh, 12 Great Australian collection. So the three three main bodies of work all combined into a book. Um, so that was really that was basically the compilation of the book is is made up of that and a little bit of my background as to what happened to me in 2010, those three main stories, three main bodies of work, and the, 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 the last one is uh, commissioned paintings that I, that I had done, which I included as the, the fifth element to the book. So. Off air just before we were talking about you know, the stories that come out of wars and, and the things that people do in wars, which I guess uh, are both small and entirely enormous at the same time. What's the story? I've not heard of the Lost Diggers of Vinyacourt, for example, um, oh. before. What's what's their story? Okay, these were a series of... Um, Ross Coulthard was given the task when he was working for uh, 7.30 at the Sunday night show. Um, worked to Channel 7. Kerry Stokes is a huge collector of World War One memorabilia. He had heard a story through the Australian War Memorial that there was... A lot of glass plates um, stored in a farmhouse somewhere in northern France. Um, they were photos of Australians uh, when they were visiting Vignacourt, which was a rest camp when, for the soldiers who had been fighting at Poziers and the Somme region. And uh, Kerry Stokes said to Ross, Ross, I want you to go there. I have an open check. Open check for you. Go and find them. Go find it. And, uh, Here is your mission, should you choose we, to accept it. Exactly, he chose <laughs> it and he, Ross has a great passion for World War One history too. So to cut a long story short, he did find them in this wow. little, little farmhouse in the town of Vinicor. Amazing story, there was like 4,000 glass plates found in three chests in this attic, in this house that was about to be demolished. Oh, yeah, amazing. And did, did, the, did the owners of the place know the significance of what they had in the attic? 
No idea. Right. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> it'd been that house had been in the family for over a century. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And so what did what did that discovery okay. um, enlighten? Okay. okay. Well, this I guess I first saw these images when I visited the War Memorial in two thousand and twelve. Went up for a, a, a fundraiser, and uh, the function was at the War Memorial. And while we were there, they gave us a very quick tour of the of the War Memorial, and part of that. Uh, there was an exhibition called The Lost Diggers of Vineyard, and I remember seeing the photographs, and I've sort of seen a lot of World War One photographs, read a lot of books, and looking at these photographs, they were so unique, they were so different to your standard sort of um, typical World War One photograph. They were very candid, very relaxed. Some of the guys almost looked drunk. Um, they probably were. Very, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so that sort of had a huge impact on me. And I remember uh, snapping a few photos on my phone, just keep them uh, in my back pocket. Um, yeah, so that was my first, the first time I said, when I saw, I said, these would make a great series of portraits and just with a bit of abstraction to them. And so that was, that's where I first saw the Lost Diggers. And what sort of um, stories do those images tell that sort of captivated you to, to feel that this was worth documenting in another way? Uh, well, it wasn't until, I'll just fast forward, after seeing those at the War Memorial, I was actually in a bookshop about three months later. It was a readings in Glenfrey Road, Hawthorne. I remember picking up this book. It was called The Lost Diggers of Vinicor. And at that time, it didn't, I didn't realise that these were the same photos that I'd just seen months earlier. So I immediately bought the book, took it home, and then I realised these are the photos that I have on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so then, then I started reading the book, reading the backstories to some of these guys, and that got, that got me. I was totally <laughs> convinced I had to do something. Yeah. George, if, if I could ask you, uh, your health issues in 2010 or so, mm. how did that change the way you viewed what you were doing, um, obviously from your day-to-day work, and then how uh, you, you changed uh, in, yeah. in seeing things and, and pivoting to the area that you're doing now? Yeah, look, I guess it was – look, I'd been had a very healthy life up till then. I'd never visited a hospital in, in my life apart from visiting people. I'd never been a patient, I should say. And uh, look, it had a pretty profound impact on me. I, I didn't know whether I was going to survive or not because it, it happened very quickly. Before I knew it, I was having surgery like days later. So I guess we're lucky that it was um, recorded fairly early. Um, so I just thought, well, this is perhaps time for me. I'd worked pretty hard in my business and I thought, well, maybe I just do need to sort of slow down a little bit. Um, so I thought, how about if I do survive this, I'll take up my passion of painting, uh, marry them up with my passion for Australian history. And that's really – and I thought, I've got to take it easy, simple as that. So that but, was – But to what end? What, what changed for you that you thought that that's got to be something I want to be doing as opposed to what we were doing before, which I take it was still creative and still sure. interesting and made you, okay, money to have a good life. But, like, why, yeah. why then sort of point it in this particular area? Well, I just – I've always wanted to do take, uh, take my time to do some painting. But as I mentioned before, work gets in the way and I just sort of – one track mine, uh, but I said, no, this is time. I just need to do this. I want to do this. And seeing those photographs, and then I thought, well, if I could do something creative with this, this would be, this would be great. So that, that, that was it. I just fell in love with these photographs and I just felt I had to do something with them. So. And, and in, in your view, what's, um, why is it important for our, our current generation, the 20-somethings, mm. to actually understand and um, be connected to some of the, the wartime or mm. wartime-related stories 
uh, because, you know, obviously there's been a, you know, it's not right in, in front of our face now, you know, like, let's say the major wars uh, and where we live in a sort of, you know, uh, conflict-free, so, so to speak, society, mm. but like, and we're running at a million miles to the next bit. But why is it important for us to know mm. what's happened before and, 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 and the like? Look, I just think that um, to understand the sacrifices these people made was pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, it changed their lives for the rest of their lives, it changed generations as well. We are still feeling some of the effects from even First World War, Second World War. So I just think it's incredibly important that that uh, we do commemorate what these guys have actually done. It, it was It's very important that we, we understand. So, George, um, obviously the artwork is predominantly um, your your work, but the stories. Mm. Who are some of the main contributors who, who put the, the genesis of these uh, wonderful stories together? Um, as in people I've worked with, do you mean? Or? Correct. Yeah. Well, I guess Ross Coulthard has been a, a, a huge driver and been very encouraging. Um, when I decided that I wanted to paint the Lost Diggers, I actually spoke to Ross and I said, would it be okay if I do this? And he said, look, I love what you're doing, George, but I'd need to seek uh, get permission from Kerry Stokes. So Kerry Stokes um, gave permission to do it, which is fantastic. So, um, so Ross was a huge influence um lambus and glazos who you may you may have heard of and i think we've had lambus on this show uh, we have yeah lambus has been everywhere yes lambus is great lambus was, was a huge inspiration for me and i'd met lambus while i was on chemo i went to one of his um lectures at the shrine and uh we got talking and we became very good friends and uh his passion was was incredible he, he really inspired me and motivated me to to um just even study more and read more about these these wonderful um, these guys who, who sacrifice so much. Mm. So he was a huge influence. The other one was Keith Payne VC. I, I met Keith in two thousand and sixteen, I think, and uh, he was most encouraging. Um, and he was good enough to attend a number of my shows around Australia, which has been which has been really terrific. So so Keith has been a, a big driver too. And within the book, there are a collection of, of writers or contributors as well. Tell us how you've sort of woven woven that through. Well, we um, I was involved in a book a couple of years ago called Victoria Cross Australia Remembers. It's a book by Michael Madden, a, a wonderful book. And um, I'd actually been to a number of interviews when, when Michael was interviewing some of the, the families of the VC recipients. So I got to know quite a few of them as well. We also went to the Western Front together in 2017. So I had a bit of a, a, a I'd met a lot of people uh, who were involved in that book. So I thought when I get my book together, maybe I could call on some of those people to be involved in what I was doing too. So as it turned out, I think we have 63 different authors and uh, they were basically, some of them were, were borrowed from Michael's book mm. and others that we had met along the way. So. And you must have obviously engaged quite closely with these people who've contributed to your book. You must have, you know, heard some amazing stories, either, mm. you know, firsthand or, or sort of generationally passed down. Can you share, you know, some of your favourites? Sure. Um, there's one particular... We talk about serendipitous moments, mm. and uh, the first one comes to mind is a story that go, only goes back a couple of years ago. We, um, I was at the... Uh, Remembrance Day function um, at the Box Hill RSL. And my daughter Grace was photographing uh, the service, which was engaged to do by, by the RSL. And I was just sitting in the background, just sort of standing up against a tree, and I get this, this young guy comes up to me and says, um, 
you're George Petru. I said, I think I am. <laughs> Guilty uh, as charged. <laughs> he said, you're the artist who's painted the Lost Diggers collection. I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'm a TPI veteran. TPI is totally and permanently incapacitated veteran. So he was from Af- uh, he'd fought in Afghan and he'd, he'd finished his, his tours. And he said, I've seen, I've seen your work at the TPI offices and uh, I've heard a lot about you and I just want to say, come up and say hi. And, and he said to me, would you, would you also speak to my, my friends because uh, they know your work as well. So we had this lovely chat and well, something about this guy was a little bit special. Um, and I decided when I went home, I decided, well, you know, I'd like to give him something because he, he seemed like such a lovely guy and, and been through a bit from what, what I gathered. Anyway, that night he actually emailed me and said, thank you for your time, George. It was lovely, whatever, whatever. And I said, Michael, I'd like to gift you something. Would you accept a gift? And he said, look, oh, George, you don't need to do that. I said, I know I don't, but I would like to. So I decided that I would send him one of my portraits. And um, he received the portrait a couple of days later and he rang me and said, George... And what I said, I said, this portrait is a guy, um, his name was Walter Spencer, and he uh, lived in Richmond. That's all I told him. <laughs> right. He, he rang me that night when he received it and said, George, Walter Spencer is my wife's great-grandfather. Wow. I thought well, that just sort of blew me away. So, yeah. And he, and he said, Walter Spencer, and we, we're talking about 1916 here, he said, Walter Spencer's daughter is still alive. So he sent me a photograph of his daughter. And uh, he also said that she has the same photograph that you painted by her bedside. And wow. Sent me the photo. It's actually in the book. <laughs> I just thought, wow, that just blew me away. I yeah. Just, but, uh, but you know, also we, we've done a couple of shows where daughters have actually turned, um, come to the show and introduced themselves, which I just find totally amazing. And they've written in the book and, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. We're chatting with George Petru here on uh, Pamiya Cafe. He's an artist who has put together a recent book called The Art of Sacrifice. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some more in just a moment. This is Pamiya Cafe on 3XY. It's Adi Olasen. We're chatting with George Petru OAM. George, what was the OAM for? Oh, it, it, was, it was a complete <laughs> surprise and I think maybe in a spare one, perhaps. <laughs> um, apparently it was for um, the visual arts and service to the veterans. Wow. Yeah, it was a complete surprise. Oh, congratulations. It was recent, wasn't it? Last year, year before? Uh, it was last year, yeah. yes. There you go. Yeah. Well, congratulations there. Thank yeah, you. we are chatting with George Petru, um, who is an artist and uh, I guess rather than author, do we, we call you a compiler, I suppose, yeah. of The Art of Sacrifice, this collection of stories. Um, we were chatting just before the break about uh, an interaction, I suppose, you had with, with a veteran and I imagine that a lot of the, the interactions and stories that you get told can be quite you know, quite heavy, quite emotional. How do you, I guess, uh, handle that and, and I guess, relates to the stories that you're being told? Oh, look, I've become a little bit immune to it. I mean, the stories are amazing and nothing surprises me. It's, uh, their stories are just, some of them are hard to believe. Mm. Um, but no, I, I just take it in my stride and I just, I, I just love hearing these stories because uh, they're very special. Mm. And how do they go... Um, you know, because obviously, you know, there aren't any World War One diggers left and there are very few World War Two diggers left. How do you go sifting fact from embellishment? Very, almost impossible. Don't bother? <laughs> no, no, no I, I, 
you have to take it on face value. It's very hard. It's not something. It's not my job to analyse that. <laughs> That's Ross Coulthard's job. <laughs> That's yeah. is exactly right. <laughs> so, George, uh, obviously, hearing people um, share some stories with you would be amazing. Um, through this whole process of what you've been doing with this book and the other works that you've been doing, what what do you sort of see as like? Wow, I'm so glad I did this because something's gone down on it. Is it about the, the opportunity of uh, helping people tell their stories or hear stories about their ancestors that are interesting? Look, it's probably um, sharing the stories with, with people who, who wouldn't normally hear these stories. I mean, the fact that... I mean, I've told people... People who have bought the book already and said, wow, we had no idea. These are incredible stories. So it is the sharing and the understanding that, yeah, we, we do need to, to remember the, what these people have actually done. For this country, I mean, we're very lucky to to be living in an amazing country uh, that we are. Yeah, yeah. Now we're uh, obviously represent the Greek Chamber, you know, uh, the Hellenic Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So, apart from yourself, are there any other Greek connections in the book? Uh, yes, apart from Lambus and Glazer. So I've painted Lambus a number of times. Uh, he's in the book. He writes about one of the World War One soldiers, but there's also a story on him written by a. Patrick Lindsay, um, so he has his own little story. Uh, I guess the other big connection is uh, the three tours that we did where we travelled Australia. Um, that was that all came together by the Findex Group, who, as you may know, is a uh, t- two boys, uh, Terry and Spirit Paul, sort of own the company. A couple of young blokes. A couple of young blokes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and uh, they'll like to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, uh, Terry, I met Terry through. The Lemnos Gallipoli Commemoration Group, who I think is about 2016, I believe. Um, I saw an ad uh, from from Haki. There was an ad that came through on, on, on my emails, and I I was waiting for a phone call. I remember this distinctly. It, uh, I was waiting for someone to call me back, and I the email came up. So I just browsed through it, and I noticed there was an ad for the Lemnos Group, and they'll fundraise, trying to fundraise to make uh, up to. I think it was a quarter of a million dollars to build a statue, statue yeah. for Matron Grace Wilson. Mm. And I said, okay, um, maybe I can contribute by offering to donate a painting and perhaps raise some money. So I contacted, um, I think, believe it was Jim Claven at the time, and I said that I'll be interested in donating a portrait if it's of interest to you. Jim said, well, why don't you come along to our AGM? It's in a couple of weeks' time. Bring some of your work and we'll see whether it is of interest to us. So I took some some copies of my work and they sort of seemed to like it and... Uh, so much so that Terry Paul um, contacted me a couple of weeks later and said, look, I would love to see the full collection of your, your Lost Diggs work. So um, we arranged the time. He came over to my place. And he came over with his wife, Anna, and uh, I had them all. I had a lot of them up on the wall in the hallway, and Terry was quite taken by them, I think, and first thing he said, well, I'll have that one. I'll have that one. I said, whoa, whoa. I said, Terry, <laughs> Terry, you said you wanted to see them. You didn't say you wanted to buy them. <laughs> and he, he Terry's, said Terry's that way inclined. He's <laughs> like, I'll have that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have that one, exactly. So I think he was taken a little bit back that they weren't for sale. Um, and I said, well, look, he said, you are an artist. You sell. I said, yes, I do. But I said, these ones are a part of a body of work that I would like to tour because uh, there's some great stories behind these paintings and, and I would like to do that. And he said, oh, well, I can buy them and... When you can borrow them when, when you want them. I said, no, that's really not going to work. Thank you, but it's not really going to work. Anyway, Terry wasn't happy with that, so he said, look, why don't we get together in a couple of weeks' time? We'll have a talk about it. So, uh, not taking so, no for an answer. No, he, he, he didn't. But as, as it turns out, he, we did have that coffee, and his suggestion was, how about the Findex company, two of your paintings, uh, 
and it could be like a client experience and we can travel you around Australia and do all that. So um, so that was that was the Lost Eagles, the VCs and the 12 Great Australians. So I'm wow. a dad to defend Dexter. Fantastic. Yeah, so there's a, a fabulous great connection there. Um, there's, I guess a, there's a couple more connections. In the book there's a beautiful story about a young boy called Hector Vasily mm. who was an 11-year-old boy from, Queen, um, from Brisbane. Great name. Great name. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, is everyone familiar with his story? No, not at no, all. No, no. It is a great name. I'll keep it very, very <laughs> brief. He, he was 11 years old and uh, he would um, he would save all his pocket money. Yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd sell newspapers and he would buy chocolates, cigarettes and flowers. And he, when the when the um, soldiers were coming back, uh, getting off the boats, they would drive, they would be on backs of trucks and they would drive past his his house and on the way to one of the military hospitals, and he would give them chocolates, flowers, and cigarettes. Wow. Because, yeah, which is really amazing. But what happened was, on one particular day, there's a little old lady crossing the road, and one of the trucks swerved to avoid her. The truck behind that one swerved to avoid the truck and killed young Hector. Oh, no. Yeah, so uh, very, very sad. Uh, but there's a lovely plaque on the Victoria Bridge in Brisbane in, in Hector's... Um, Honor, which is lovely. Wow! So I only heard about that story a couple of years ago, and Susan, my sister told me about it, and I said, oh, "I have to do something about this." So I painted it and painted the story and uh, painted young Hector's, uh, and just a beautiful story. When you embark on a mission like this, you know the art of sacrifice. It sounds to me like you've got pretty much your whole family involved, whether it's your sister or your <laughs> daughter. You know, it's, I think you mentioned a nephew as well. You know, it's a family yes, affair. It, it does seem that way, doesn't it? It wasn't meant to be, but, <laughs> but it has been. I've had great support from from the family. Grace has been, and the whole idea behind the photography was Grace's idea about the backdrop and and the background behind the backdrop. So we we've we've linked the background to the story. So there's reasons why we're photographed in a particular location. So. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been great. It's been very, everyone's been very supportive. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, where do you go from here? You're launching over the next few weeks. Yes, um, we'll know today. Um, we have a, our first launch is in Canberra at the the Royal Australian Mint. Um, then after that, we we move on to Nara, where we're, we're going to catch up with Keith Payne. But I believe that has <laughs> been postponed because of COVID. Yeah, and we were on our way to Sydney too, but that's not going to happen right now. Oh, the inevitable COVID interruptions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're optimistic that that uh, Brisbane will go ahead in August. We've got a couple of shows there, and Adelaide in September, and Tassie in November, and and Melbourne in in between. What what does it? You just use the word show. What what does the word, what does okay. a show entail when okay. you when you travel? Well, normally it would in, in involve my paintings, but. Um, to keep our cost down, we will. Um, I've pulled, I've organised pull-up banners. We have about eight pull-up banners with which feature um, some of the pla- some of the paintings and a little story underneath them. So it's a lot easier to cut around Australia yeah. uh, <laughs> with pull-up banners. So we'll do that. I'll do. I will do a PowerPoint presentation and explain a bit about the book. And because I can draw on so many other aut- authors, we will perhaps uh, wherever we are, we can maybe get two or three people t- to tell their story rather than hearing it from me. Mm. And so it's be a bit of a meet and greet. Oh, right. It's usually what I call a show. Do <laughs> you, you guys stream that online so we can all share in the love? Uh, no, we haven't <laughs> got plans for that, no. 
I was just going to ask, um, as part of our program, we always try and sort of give some insights into uh, younger people going through their careers. Someone um, with your creative bent, uh, mm. George, uh, th- there's a different way of everyone, you know, um, presenting their crea- creative skills these days. What, what happened in your early part of your career and, and what sort of, uh, uh, you know, guideposts could you give to, sure. to younger people that, that have the creative bent to be able to do some cool things? And then obviously where you ended up being able to pivot in a way mm. that actually, you know, came came to do things that you're quite passionate about? Well, I guess I was very lucky because um, back in 2000 and – no, sorry, 1978. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was a I, bit of a jump was, there. Yeah. What was I thinking? <laughs> um, I'd finished my art course at, at um, Caulfield, uh, CIT, and um, I was – Fine art or humanities? Uh, uh, graphic design. Graphic design. Graphic design. Yeah. And, um, sorry, how did you do graphic design before Photoshop? And you know, Adobe Illustrator, <laughs> oh, drawing boards, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah, and rulers, yeah, uh, well, yeah pretty quite prehistoric. Yeah, um, I'd met a chap late nineteen seventy eight who wanted some illustrations done, so I did some work for him, and uh, he paid me for it. And I said, "Look, I've just finished school. Could I work for you for free?" Because you know, um, it was Christmas time. No one was going to employ anyone, so he wasn't going to say no. I said, "Sure." <laughs> so. Um, we, I worked for him for free. We, we became very good friends. And a couple of months later, he told me, um, George, I'm going overseas and I won't be coming back to Australia. My wife's French. I'm, in, I'm English, as, as are you. So we're going to leave. But how about, if you like, take you could take over the business. Take we can over the business. That's take fantastic. over the business. <laughs> I mean, I, I had no idea. And he said, look, we'll just say that I'm going away for a couple of weeks. You're looking after the business. What, what sort take. of business was it? Graphic design business. It was an existing right. graphic design right. business. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he had his own clients. He had all this equipment. He said, I'll sell you the equipment. I think I think he charged me $1,500, but there was probably about 10 grand's worth so of stuff. you're a graduate and you've been I'm there gra- for two, three weeks. Yeah. And he goes, mate, and make he all, all this happen. Yeah, and he also said, look, my wife's selling her car. She's got this beautiful Uncle Romeo. <laughs> if you're interested in that, I said, I'll have that one. <laughs> Providing the old man will lend me some money. That is um, amazing. So it, I was very fortuitous. Very, very lucky, to say the least. So I ended up buying his equipment, buying his wife's car, and uh, and I was on my own in 1979. But wow. also very lucky that you sure you um, haven't assumed his name as well. <laughs> I believe you wouldn't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> um, but I was also very lucky that my sister-in-law's brother's graphic designer, and he said, "Why don't you come and work under our studio environment in Albert Park?" Wow. So he took me under his wing. I sort of had my own business, ran my own business. So I was very lucky. Um, so I'm always, because I was so fortunate, you know, any young kids who want to do graphic design or, or art, I'm very happy to, to, to help them out wherever I can. I do go out of my way to... You do that now? Still? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Look, like we're, people we're, coming through? Yeah, look, we've, I, I've lost count how many students we've had doing work experience with us, but I think it's so important that we do share our knowledge and our experience. And, and in fact, I've been so lucky. Even you still more have important. your business now from way back then? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I do. And I still, wow. have, I still have clients from 1979. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah, extraordinary. Pretty, that's great. pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah, Very absolutely. Lucky. Very lucky. So um, I usually save this question for the end, but what, um, you know, what, what bit of advice would you give to, you know, someone who finds themselves in a similar situation to what you were in in 1978, you know, graduate uh, in search of work, considering career opportunities in a design or a creative field, any advice? Yeah, I used to, I think you need to put yourself out there and, and offer to work for free. I know that's not <laughs> the done thing these days, but I just feel it's important. Put yourself out there and 
and off, offer that and uh, it shows you, you're really keen mm. and uh, you know even if it's just for a couple of months at least you've got some experience it gives you something mm-hmm. uh, and I think that people would appreciate it for sure oh absolutely no yeah. one, no one no one's going to not appreciate that no, no. Um, back to the book the art of sacrifice um, where where do you go from here is there you know the art of sacrifice volume two or you know what happens now well I've actually just come across an amazing story and it has they great, never end <laughs> they, they, they never end you're right <laughs> I was um, sent a book by a friend and because uh, this friend asked me, what are you doing next? The same question. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm thinking of doing a body work on great female uh, women, Australian women. And she said... Great Australian women connected with conflict or just more generally? No, general, generally, uh-huh. generally. And uh, she said, well, George, I'm going to send you a book. So she sent me this book and it was a, on a lady called Joyce Locke. Who I'd never heard of. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Do you know that name? She a nurse? No, she was. Well, she no, she was a great humanitarian. Okay. Um, Continue with your story, George. <laughs> her, <laughs> she she was she did quite a bit of medical work, right. but she wasn't a qualified nurse or doctor. But her work was incredible. She's our most decorated Australia. I always thought Nancy Wake was. Now I've been telling people Nancy Wake's our most decorated Australian. In fact, she's not. Joyce Locke is. Um, her story is. She, there's so many facets to her to her story. I'll I'll, I'll fast forward to Greece. She helped uh, during the, the Smyrna conflict. She helped um, the starving Greeks and repatriate all the people who were coming over from Turkey in the 1920s. 1922, uh-huh. yes. And she ended up make, uh, that was ended up being her home. She spent the last 50 years in Greece on the Mount Athos Peninsula, um, and she was just adored and loved by the Greeks for the work she did. So, I've cut. I've, that's just a, a slither of what her life. Her life is incredible. So mm. uh, for anyone who doesn't know, she's wor- please Google Joyce Locke. It's Joyce, J-O-I-C-E, uh-huh. Locke, L-O-C-H. Uh-huh. Incredible story. So I'm actually thinking of doing a whole body of work on her, right. her story. Uh-huh. That's where I'm going, I think. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Sounds like a trip to Asia Minor might be on the cards. Um. <laughs> Being super, I'm not sure about that. No, there you go. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so uh, when you say a body of work, you mean a series of paintings I'll, and... I'm thinking of maybe a whole ex- exhibition on her work, uh-huh. that, that on her life's work. I just think she's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and... and and that notion for you, George, is your legacy? Is that about being able to bring out these stories with your abilities in painting and the like? Is that what you're, what where you're at? Well, when you say legacy, I mean it, legacy can quite often sound as though you've got a bit of an ego. <laughs> no, no, but like the notion of like, why, why do you care about being able to bring out some of these things? What, what, what do you want your kids or your grandkids to know about, like what you've been able to do? Um, it's not something I've really thought of, to be honest. But mm. I guess it is, it is nice. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I I just love doing it. It's something yeah. that that I enjoy, and and I hope it gives other people enjoyment. Um, so that's yeah. Because yeah. what we see with many different people that we talk to is that like obviously you've got some interesting skills and capabilities, and then being able to put that into a place where um, it's something that resonates for you, yeah. and that's what you're doing now, obviously, well, because of your your skill set. Well, I guess also the fact that we designed the book. I actually designed the book too. So it was mm. something when we. When this whole thing came around, when I approached the publisher and I said, well, "How do we go about doing this?" He said, "Well, what do you want to? Do? What are your plans?" Mm. And I told him what I want to do. He goes, "I love that idea. I will publish it for you." I said, "That is fine, but the condition is that that I design the book. Mm. It needs to be 
me totally because I mean the content is out. We actually design books as a graphic yeah. design, but mm. I said this one I need to supply the content and design it. So that's what we did. So it was a total, a total, a total complete effort by our studio, yeah, right. was, which was really good. So we are running out of time, but I'll just ask you this: why, why do you think it's important to document these stories? Why do these stories need to be told? Well, if they're not told, they will be forgotten. Some of them go back 100 years. So I just think it's it's great to reinforce these stories. And um, and the book has really come about the fact that it's also a fundraiser as well. So all profits for this book will go to veteran charities. So I think it's great if people support it for that reason, reason alone. Uh, and, and look, it, it's a great coffee table book too. Well, it's an absolute stunner. Um, mm. Very heavy, big, beautiful. It's it's uh, you've done an amazing you know work of of the design as well, which is really stunning. Um, where can people find more information? Okay, um, you can go to my website uh, georgepetru.com.au, and you could purchase it online there. Um, it will be in the bookshops, I think, as of August two. Uh, but in, any purchase over from a bookstore means there's no charity money. Mm. If it's purchased through my website, it means all profits go to veteran charity. So I prefer you buy it through <laughs> yeah. me, to be honest. But uh, it, it doesn't really matter. So do you do you personally sign every book that comes from your website, George? I am very <laughs> happy to do that. If someone wanted to buy a hundred books, I will sign them. And we can we can have the under signature of the Haki Radio Program <laughs> as well. Buy me a cafe. Absolutely, anything anything to sell a book here. I think it's such a good cause. So I, I'm happy. Certainly happy to do that, but look, I'm also appealing to um, to corporates too. Maybe they could they might buy it and donate it to a local school mm. or a local library, and that would be a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, the art of sacrifice is the name of the book. It uh, contains sixty plus uh, stories of Australian veterans, or, or you know those who've contributed uh, on the um, in the theatre of war. Uh, you can find it at georgepetru.com.au. Grab a copy. I'm going to, um, and it'll you know anything bought through the website goes to a great cause. George, thank you very much for your time. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. No worries. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your tale. Um, we are going to be back in a moment to wrap it up on Bamiyaka Fair. We've reached the end of another episode of Bamiyaka Fair here on Three XY at Adi Olas, and uh, it was wonderful to hear from George Petru OAM about the art of sacrifice and his body of work. You can check it out at georgepetru.com.au and. Uh, please go ahead and buy the book uh, because the profits from George's website go to a great cause or a series of great causes. Um, as I mentioned, we are just about out of time, but uh, we cannot wrap up without mentioning that uh, obviously this radio program is uh, brought to you by the Hellenic Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Haki, and uh, Haki has its annual awards uh, every year and coming up again um, towards the end of this year. And the nominations are now open for the Haki uh, Excellence Awards. Um you can enter uh, via the Haki website. Check it out at haki.com.au. Um, categories including business awards, professional services, community service, sport, women of influence, innovation, which sounds like a new one to me, and uh, lifetime achievement and young achiever award. So if you know anyone that fits any of those categories, please uh, do get in contact with Haki via the office or the website and, uh, and nominate them. The awards have been going for 35 years this year. Did you know that? Incredible. It's great. Yeah, there yeah. you go. 35 years of recognising excellence. So check it out um, and uh, hopefully there'll be some more information on the uh, the gala ball later in this year. Hopefully it'll go ahead this year instead of an online event, which was obviously very successful last year regardless. Um, so you can find out more about that and, of course, about this program at haki.com.au and also via the social media, which is Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and what's the other one? Instagram. 
Instagram. Insta. Insta. <laughs> Gentlemen, hey, go ahead. So I was going to say, I mean, what's what's Bamiya Cafe all about? Coffee. It's about Helene's doing amazing things. That's right. Have we ticked the box today? I think we have. I think we have. <laughs> I think we got there today. Um, that is the end of another episode of Pamiya Cafe. You can listen to us right now on the wireless, uh, 5 p.m. Tuesdays on 3XY at Adi Olas. But you can catch up on the show via the podcast, which goes up on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Thank you, as always, to everybody who makes the program possible. 3XY, uh, Haki, Haki's partners, uh, the Bank of Sydney, Just Gold and Hellenic Power. And, of course, to you two gentlemen, Alex and you too, Peter. Tom. Wonderful, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, that's the end of another show here at Bumiyaka Fair. And until we speak to you next time, yes, yes, yes.